2: Everybody, welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange or Brown Talk Podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. A lot to get to today, and let's just start uh with comments from John Johnson, uh the third today. Um he had some things to say about some guys and, and maybe some, some work ethic things. I thought it was very interesting. Uh he said, quote, yeah, it's a commitment thing. When practice is over and our day is done, you can't just run out of the building and forget about your job. I think we need everyone in this building to really be 100% in on the task at hand. Right now, I think we're at a place where that's not the case. Mary Kay, you obviously have a story up on this at cleveland.com slash Browns. When you heard those comments, read back through those comments, what did you think?
0: Well, a number of things come to my mind about these comments. First of all, we can go back to right after the game on Sunday night when Jacoby Brissett came out and basically took the lead in holding himself accountable. And I think he basically urged guys to, you know, dig deep, to step up, to find something else within themselves. And then we heard Miles Garrett after the game also say, don't be afraid to call each other out. Don't be afraid to hold each other accountable. If you see something, say something. And I think John Johnson was doing just that. I think he was calling out what he's seeing, and that is uh, guys that are not putting in that 100% extra commitment, that extra time, and doing everything that they possibly can uh, to help this team win and to prepare. So that's what I thought of. I thought of him, uh, you know, kind of living up to the words of those other two team leaders, too, of, of Jacoby and of Miles. And, um, you know, so those were my reigning thoughts, and, and we'll get into this more too, but when you start hearing a player question teammates' commitment to uh, to the cause, uh, you know, that that's pretty serious stuff right there.
2: Yeah, Ashley, what were your thoughts, kind of hearing those and, and
1: reading through those? I kind of immediately thought back to after week two, which the big point of discussion at that time was that the Browns had already had a players only meeting, which like we know that players only meetings are are fairly common when things aren't going right. But the fact that they had one so early in the season and how this like I, I just think overall it doesn't bode well. Like, I mean, it, it's not where you want your team to be. They haven't even been in the tough part of their schedule yet on top of that. So I just think it kind of to me like all goes back to what we were talking about. Does this team have an identity? Do they have the fight in them, you know, that if they are down in a game, can they mount a comeback? Like I don't think anyone really knows the answer to that right now and I'm not sure the guys in the building know the answer to that right now. Um I think this is not a place you want to be. I mean, I'm, I guess if you want to take like a somewhat optimistic approach, like Maybe at least it's good somebody is recognizing that there are problems that need to be addressed. It's better than letting things fester in an NFL locker room. But I I just think it's kind of not a good sign that there have been multiple instances like this already. And we're heading into week seven.
2: So Mary Kay, this I guess this goes, these sorts of things, they go one of two ways, I think. They either are really bad and we look back at it at the end of the year and we say, yep. That was that was the beginning of the end. That was a bad sign. You know, we should have known, maybe we do know, we should have known back then that this thing wasn't going to right itself. Or we get to the end of the season and they end up making the playoffs and the defense turns things around and we look back and we say, hey, you know, that, that week when John Johnson called everybody out and Miles Garrett did and these guys were calling each other out and players-only meetings and talking about holding film sessions at people's houses, so it didn't feel like work. That really changed things for this team. It is this sort of an inflection point here? Is this sort of like, this either turns into that or it goes the other way? I, I mean, is this kind of the key point of the season right here?
0: I mean, it could be. It comes before two of the most important games of the season, a very crucial stretch here. They are two and four. They've just lost three straight. And it's in big jeopardy of slipping away from them. And they have two division games coming up, one in Baltimore and then at home on Monday night football on Halloween night against the Bengals. So this and those two teams are tied atop the division at three and three. They can flip the script here. They absolutely can flip the script. If they go out and win these two games, it changes everything. It changes everything. So so yeah, I do think that it's an inflection point, and we don't know which way it's going to go. I mean, I think it's going to be hard to go into Baltimore and beat the Ravens, but they're over there doing a bunch of soul-searching themselves, (laughs) right? I mean, they're giving up big leads at the end of games, including one to the Giants on Sunday, a game that they just lost that they really needed. So, you know, it's two teams that are, you know, that are kind of trying to dig deep and see what they have. Uh, and, and both are at a little bit of a crossroads right now. So I do think that with what the Browns have coming up over the next two weeks, that it probably was time to, um, you know, for, for these guys to stand up and say something. And just very briefly, Kevin Stefanski backed them, backed him right up in his press conference today. He backed him right up and he certainly, uh, you know, confirmed everything that John Johnson said.
2: Yeah, that was interesting, Ashley, because sometimes Kevin will sort of stay out of stuff like that. You know, he'll say, you know, respects his players, respects the, you know, the leaders on the team. He'll kind of dance around things like that. But um, he, like Mary Kay said, he didn't really do that today.
1: No. And I mean, he did it in a very, I think, Kevin Stefansky way still and kind of talked about it almost in generalities. But like, you know, the thing that really caught my my ears, I guess, when he was talking was talking about how sometimes players come into this league a lot of times and they don't know how to be a pro yet. And they don't know what comes along with this job. And I think the Browns is an organization like they're very good about understanding when guys have things going on and and that they need lives outside of the building. But I do think you heard from him kind of the, you know, emphasizing similar things that guys need to learn what it takes to be a pro in this league what kind of work you need to do in the building, away from the building. He said they obviously keep them busy here with meetings and film and things like that. But it it does go beyond like it does here. I mean, imagine like we do work outside of these walls in Berea. Obviously, we all do a lot of work for our job outside of these walls um, and outside of the stadium. So I think it's it's the, you know, I don't want to say it's the same for them, but it's like a similar concept. <laughs> I think most people have work that you have to do away from the building. And for some of these guys who are younger, like, yeah, he is right. They're not going to know until somebody tells them, but they do have to get that message, I think.
2: So, so Mary Kay, how much of this do you think is just youth? I know John Johnson said that, he didn't want to use that as an excuse how much of it is youth like these guys will learn or how much of it is like i I, you know i don't know if this is going to
0: change i think it's part youth and i think it's part just inherent leadership skills uh at you know on the part of of some some players i mean you need a really good good strong leadership nucleus and i think um and i think they could could get a little stronger in that regard in some areas i mean you look at the receiver room alone and they don't i mean they've got amari cooper in there and he is a, a phenomenal player but he's kind of a quiet guy i mean they don't have a a jadavian i mean a, a jarvis landry in there anymore like they used to that you know would stand up in front of the room and shout contagious and things like that you know so there are certain rooms where They don't necessarily have, um, you know, a real vocal defensive leader. And I think in the linebacker room, let's just take the linebacker room. Anthony Walker was kind of that, and then he got hurt. And so they just don't have that veteran presence in there necessarily that says, this is exactly how we do things. Um, So, yeah, I I think there's a sense of, maybe Kevin Stefanski and Jacoby Brissett to a certain degree calling for more veteran leadership and with the guys that are there, that are the veterans, uh, you know, to be more vocal and to set the way and to show the example even more. So I kind of think that's what's going on.
2: Yeah. And that's interesting. Cause like you look at a room like the offensive line room, that that's, I think that's probably the most veteran room on the team just kind of off the top of my head. And so you just sort of see like, you know, Joel's been there forever. wyatt has been, been here since 2019, you know, Hubbard's a veteran. He came in in 2018. Uh, There's like, like that room kind of runs itself under Bill Callahan and they, they really, they don't have that. It doesn't, you don't get the sense that they have that leadership void because they have a bunch of veterans in there, but there are some rooms where it's really young and, I mean, I even seem to recall Denzel Ward saying at some point during training camp, like even he was kind of adjusting as a leader, like needing to be more outspoken because he's the guy that got paid. He's the highest paid guy in that room. He's the the star in that room. And you know, you're talking about everyone with Greg Newsom in year two, Martin Emerson in year one. Greedy is a veteran, but I mean, he hasn't been around that long. I, I do think some of these leaders, actually are kind of still learning how to lead in some ways.
1: Yeah, I mean, this, there are certainly, I think, position groups on this team that are really young. And and like you said, I mean, I think Denzel Ward is the perfect example of a guy who is, you know, he's not new. He's not a rookie anymore, but he's the one in that room who just so happens to have been around the longest and he's got to figure that out. And, and we talk about the linebackers like Anthony, like Barry K said, Anthony Walker Jr., one of the most vocal leaders, not just in that room and this team and he's still around, but, you know, I think it's him and Jacob Phillips, for example, I think have very different personality types <laughs> and, you know, no two guys are the same, but Anthony, it's certainly a bit more, I think vocal um, and and loud and, and things like that. So I definitely think that's an element to it. Unfortunately, I think that's something where a guy either has it or he doesn't, he has to step up. He has to learn what works for him. And all of those things take time. There's not going to be, an instant easy answer for all this. And you have your certain guys like your JJ three is like your miles Garrett's um, who do talk and, and who are used to filling those roles. But I think other guys, it might take them some time to adjust because it's their first time doing it.
2: Well, and Mary Kay miles is another example. He's a guy that that sort of, he sort of had to learn, you know, that leadership, it seems like it was in there. Like, Cause I kind of agree with Ashley, you either kind of have it or you don't, but sometimes it's got to be brought out a little. And I feel like with Miles, that's sort of where he was when he came into the league.
0: Yeah, and he he still is and has been finding his leadership voice. I mean, he's still finding it. Last year, uh, you know, he really became quite outspoken, but, <clears throat> excuse me, in some ways, uh, you know, he missed the mark a tiny bit because some of it included calling out Joe Woods after the Patriots game. And uh, one time he kind of... Uh, you know, called out his teammates to step up a little bit more so that he wasn't always having to be double teamed. So I think he's still honing it, you know, which is okay. It's it's okay to, you know, to kind of put yourself out there a little bit and not be perfect at it. And the other thing about miles is that like, he doesn't really care too much about missing the mark. He's going to be outspoken. He's going to say what he wants to say. And as he mentioned, after the game, if you have to call somebody out, call somebody out. And I don't think that um he's going to worry too much about hurting anybody's feelings in that regard um so yeah i mean there's there's different kinds of things going on and people are trying to figure out how to lead um and some of the, the guys that have to lead are rather new to the team i mean anthony walker had to come in and lead when he was new to the team jj3 it's not like he's been around for 6 years here so it's it's a little bit different i mean they have to find their leadership i remember Last year, remember, um, Greg Newsom and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromo were talking about, we have to step up and be leaders next year. And they, and they do, but they're really young to be leaders of the football team. So, um, you know, I mean, I do think in some ways there might be like a little bit of that missing sort of Sheldon Richardson influence that they had there for a little while, uh, where you just have those, you know, locker room guys that just kind of, know the the rules and um so they're finding their way in that regard a bit
2: yeah i i always think about you know obviously there, were, there was the miles miles helmet incident and and sort of you know you wrote about that but um the duke johnson situation i'll I'll just never kind of forget like you know baker came out and kind of called duke out for holding out and he got a pretty quick reprimand in that locker room from so like mm-hmm. hey we don't talk about people's money like that's that's just not something you do in this league and just having some of those veterans around to do that and i've said this before on the pod i do think you know whatever you think of john dorsey's tenure here i do think one of the things he did really well right away was bring in some adults like a tj carey um and, and chris hubbard uh some some other guys guys who were who were really adults on a, on a very young team so um all right let's take a break and we got some other things to get to uh that came out of today And back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, so let's talk some Wyatt Teller, speaking of John Dorsey, one of his acquisitions. Wyatt uh, said today that he's not likely to play, Um, and Kevin Stefanski did not dispute that. He said he's doubtful, he didn't want to rule him out on a Wednesday, but he, he called him doubtful. Doubtful on a Friday, Mary Kay, usually means the guy's not playing, so doubtful on a Wednesday probably still means the guy's not playing. Wyatt Teller and and Joel Batoni are so important to this run game. Him, those two, and Jack Conklin are really like the the engines of this run game ahead of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. How big of a loss would it be to not have Teller against the Ravens?
0: You know, it's huge. I mean, even when we asked Jacoby Brissett about him the other day, he said he's a beast. I mean, you don't say that about every offensive lineman, but you do say it all the time about Wyatt Teller and you say it about Joel Batonia. So those two guards are just the driving engine of this top ranked running game, quite frankly. And, uh, and to be without him, I think it's, I think it's very big. I mean, you know, it won't be lost on on John Harbaugh and I really don't think there's too much of a chance that that's going to get turned around by Sunday. In fact, uh, I think there's a pretty good chance that he w- he might also have to miss that Bengals game on Monday night. Now, there's a lot of time between now and then, and he's got an extra day because it, again, it is the Monday night game, but here they are heading into the most important stretch of the season right now is these two back-to-back AFC North games that can make or break them in terms of whether or not they're going to stay in contention. If they lose both of these games, I think most of uh, all three of us on this pod can pretty much agree that it's almost over. I mean, it's, you know, it's like stick a fork in them if they lose these two football games. Um, If they win one of them or if they win both of them, it changes everything. It flips the script. It keeps them in the hunt. It keeps them in contention. So I think it's enormous that Wyatt Teller is missing this game and potentially the next one.
2: Yeah, Ashley, I, I mean, it just speaks to you don't talk a lot about guard. Like when teams are missing guards, there's only a handful of guys that you're like, Oh, that would be bad if this team didn't have that. Their starting guard, especially the right guard, Uh, but Joel Batoni and Wyatt Teller are both guys like that, and they're so important. You know, Alex Van Pelt called them his big dancing bears uh, a few (laughs) weeks ago. They're just their ability to move and get out in space and get in the second level. Nick Chubb just relies on that, and it's not an insult to Yelda Froholt or whomever they put out there at at right guard to say that that's going to be a, a downgrade from Wyatt Teller.
1: No. And I mean, I think when you talk about Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio, they are literally two of the best pulling guards in the league. It's why the Browns extended them one day after the other and looking at, you know, PFFs run blocking grades for this year, which I think, you know, only put, you know, take them with a grain of salt as always, but they have Wyatt Teller, you know, with those minimum snaps up ranked as the number one guard in the league in terms of his run blocking grade. And Joel Batonio is number three. Like that's a huge loss for what this team wants to do. Um, and, and it just, you know, with Jack Conklin's dealing with his ankle injury, he didn't practice today. You know, there are other issues besides Wyatt Teller, uh, Teller's injury. So, who knows what this offensive line is going to look like when the Ravens come here, but Wyatt Teller and Joel are, I think like the two most important people that you could lose right now.
2: And Mary Kay on the defensive side, we're still on Jadavion Clowney watch. Um, you know, Miles Garrett didn't practice today, but he'll play, he'll play on Sunday. Um, he's he's going to play until that arm falls off and maybe even beyond that. Um, Jadavion A little bit of a surprise that he ended up not playing last week after he kind of gutted it out and got out there um, in in the previous game. But how vital is it going to be to get Jadavion on the field, especially if Miles, I mean, let's be honest, he he ended up on the ground a few times on Sunday, did look a little beat up. He's clearly not 100%. So, like, if Miles can't go 75% of the snaps or whatever that that really hurts to not have Jadavion to, to kind of ease that.
0: It really does, especially against a Lamar Jackson, where you really need to set the edge. They are going to need Jadavion Clowney to play in this football game if they want to be as successful as they want to be. So yes, they need him to get out there. I'm sure that he's doing everything that he possibly can to get out there. I know Miles will be encouraging him to get out there. Miles is trying to set that contagious tone for playing really banged up and hurt. I mean, he came out right after that game, after we watched him re-injure that left shoulder and say, um, you know, that it. I don't care how badly I'm hurt, I'm going to be out there for my football team. And so I think he's trying to set that tone, send that message. And, uh, and you know, everyone keeps saying that Jadavian really wants to be out there. I believe that he does. Um, but he also wants to be able to be effective and to contribute. Uh, He had setbacks in addition to his sprained ankle. He's got knee and elbow injuries. You know, he's the kind of guy that you don't have to see him practice. You can throw him out there. So I'm going to say, I think he's going to play at this point, but I mean, I just don't know for sure.
2: I think that's where I'm leaning. Ashley, when you look at this matchup, I mean, with Miles, if I had to, if we did like a draft on this podcast of guys that I would edge rushers, I would put out there that I think can chase down Lamar Jackson. Miles would maybe be the number one pick. He'd yeah. be close to it. Um, So just having him out there, even if he's not hundred percent is important, but Jadavian's kind of that freaky athlete too. You know, I maybe wouldn't put him in the top of the list, but he's, he's that freakish athlete that can make life difficult on Lamar Jackson.
1: Well, and like Mary Kay said, I mean, he's so good at setting the edge even. And Lamar Jackson is like maybe the top quarterback in this league that you have to be really concerned about that. Because what does Lamar Jackson do? Like plays are never dead because he can make plays with his feet. And if you let him, we were talking about it today. Like it's almost like watching him is like watching It's There's an element of this chaos to his game that just sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And when you see these like late fourth quarter interceptions that he's had this year, That's maybe part of it that doesn't work, but it is almost like this organized chaos and you have to have guys who can set the edge and try to contain him because otherwise, you know, you're going to see him kind of making plays. I'm going to bring it up again that that touchdown pass to Mark Andrews in that first game last year where he's just running around. He had all the time in the world. No one could get to him. I think miles got close. He's back. They were like on the 13. He goes back to the 35, just tosses it up. And it's there because of what he can do with his legs and because of the connection that they, you know, him and Mark Andrews have, which is something that the Browns are wary of. But it definitely it starts up front. So I think you you can't ask for a better recipe than Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney if they're both able to be effective and, and not too physically hindered.
2: And the other guy we're keeping an eye on to Mary Kay is Denzel Ward still in the concussion protocol. It's always just hard to get a read on on where guys are in that, um, especially with the new protocols. But we did see him in the locker room today. This is the first time we've seen him in the locker room when we've been in there. Is that a should we read anything into that? Is it still just kind of wait and see?
0: You know, I think it's a good sign that we saw him. Uh, It still is wait and see because in the concussion protocol, especially in are new uh, guidelines now under the concussion protocol, which I'm guessing are going to make it a little bit tougher to get back on the field. Um, But the fact that we saw him, I think, is important. You have to go through all these different stages before you actually get cleared to play. Uh, So the fact that we saw him means that he's doing some things, uh, you know, on his own or whatever. And, I, you know, I think that's a pretty good sign. Now, on the Ravens' side, they've got um, one of their best receivers, Rashad Bateman, returned to practice today on a limited basis with a sprained foot. Certainly, you know, you're going to want Denzel Ward out there, your lockdown corner. We did see that there were a few, you know, some issues in coverage. They let Bailey Zappi throw for 309 yards on them, a rookie fourth-round quarterback. We know that Lamar Jackson is going to take chances downfield. Uh, We know that uh, he's gotten really so much better in that regard. And even though uh, his percentage of completions on passes of 20 yards or more is even worse than Jacoby Brissett's, he still has four touchdown passes and three interceptions on passes of 20 yards or more. So even though he's not completing a lot of them, he's still making that kind of magical play occasionally. So you definitely want Denzel out there. And I think it's a good sign that we saw him today.
2: Okay. Yeah. And Rashad Bateman is off to a really good start. They, the Ravens and their, their refusal to give, Lamar Jackson, big-time weapons on the outside. Rashad Bateman at least was giving him something uh, before he got hurt. All right, that'll do it for our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We'll be back with our preview podcast on Friday and our post-game show on Sunday after whatever happens in Baltimore. So just make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And, of course, Football Insider, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. From Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.